And I just started playing some worship music, and I just started casting out this demon in the name of Jesus and uh, anointing the windows and the doors. I went to the kitchen, living room, everywhere. And then the last room I went to, it was actually my kids' room, the last room. And then the the bathroom was right across, so the light was shining in there. And then when I took a step in there, right on the left of me, kind of curled up in a ball like this, hiding, I seen like a physical, like a being, like uh, it looked, it, it kind of looked human, but it had like cat ears with kind of yellow, yellow, yellowish eyes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. On this show, we capture the faith journey of everyday people, the ups and downs, and how Jesus became real and changed their life. Our ministry exists to equip Christians to become disciple-making disciples and fulfill the Great Commission in their everyday life. And you can find out more on how you, your group, church, or organization can be trained on our website at discipleacity.ca. Hey, please like and subscribe and leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on and follow us on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. My guest today is Red Pheasant First Nation. He grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. He's founder of Church in the Hood. And with a full-length album in 2019, an EP in 2021, and the single Let It Go that same year, please welcome hip-hop rap artist, Biz Nico. Hey. Hey, man. How are you? How's it it's going good. It's going good. Awesome. Thanks for coming in, man. I know you're a little bit under the weather, but you're a trooper. You're still coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get it done. Appreciate that, man. Did you get your Tims today? Uh, Tims, no, I just had to make some uh, uh, Folgers in the cup. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. You'll have to, <laughs> you'll have to get out and get you some, eh, later on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, man, thanks for... for um, coming in uh, i've been checking out some of your music man and uh, a little bit of your history um yeah and uh you, you have quite a powerful testimony man and uh what you're doing out there um i just wanted to just go back to the beginning um your, your dad was an evangelist and your mom was a worship singer and you guys you, you went uh, all around the at least the province with them can you talk a little bit about what that was like growing up for you yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember like, at the age of five, um, like my parents weren't uh, believers at the time. They they were in their addictions with alcohol. Um, I, yeah, I remember my dad showing up home drunk, and then me hiding. Tell, my mom telling me to go hide. Your dad's here now. He's, he's drunk. I remember little bits and parts of that when I was like five. But uh, yeah, my mom started going to a church uh, locally like two blocks away called First Nations Alliance Church. And then, uh, yeah, soon later, my dad started going there. And that was like, in, I think, 90, 95. And then, yeah, we just grew up in, at the church. That's where I spent most of my, my childhood is at the church. And uh, I guess my, my dad, later on, he felt the calling. He had a calling, but he, he was running away from it. And then in uh, the late 90s, is when he he said, "Lord, just use me, use me, um, whatever you want me to do. I'm your I'm your servant." So he quit his job, his full time job, and he did street ministry. He went down to like uh, Midtown Mall here in Sask- Saskatoon. He would walk down the streets, uh, do hospital visits for, with people, and share his testimony and share Jesus with everybody that he met. And then yeah, he just he would build connections with everybody and just build relationships. So that's how that started, and then uh, churches started finding out what uh, he was up to, and they would invite him over and just come share what was going on. And then my mom started doing worship music, and we would just get invited to different churches. And, uh, yeah, we went to the Northwest Territories all the way down to Tijuana, Mexico. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my dad, he was, yeah, he, he did a lot of ministry in his, most of my life anyway. So until the day he Oh, he's passed? Yeah, he passed in 2021. Oh, man, sorry to hear that. Yeah, he's up, he's up in glory. Amen. 
Amen. Yeah. Um, do you know, like, do you know what the, was there a sort of a pivotal moment? That's pretty extreme to be, you know, living in that fear of dad's coming home and, and there's fear to him becoming, quitting his job and becoming an evangelist. Do you know if there was a, a sort of a pinnacle moment for him? Yeah, I remember he, he was sharing one time, um, somebody gave him a videotape of the Gaither homecoming video. Um, it was a, like a worship uh, music or the, the older folk, I guess. Uh, yeah, he would sit down, he would listen to it, and then uh, he said one night he just felt the Holy Spirit come come on him, and then uh, he had to, uh, he just fell down to his knees in the living room when we were all gone, and he said he just cried out, he surrendered his life to God at that moment. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So you growing up after that, um, you know, as you became of age, yeah, you kind of started to struggle yourself. And I guess obviously yeah, yeah. you believed, but you, you struggled a lot, eh, bro? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, in 20, I think 2004, um, at our family Bible camp that my parents did, uh, something happened between them, and then my mom kind of just was at the end of her line and said, okay, we're done kind of thing. So my dad packed up his belongings at Bible camp, and he was he was asked to leave, basically. So he he left, and he went home and packed up, and then, yeah, I, that was the last time I uh, I saw him for a few days. And then, um, yeah, I, I went, went back with him. We were staying at a hotel for a while, and then, yeah, we just started living off the people's couches, my relatives moved in with his sister and so that's how life life um started with me um just seeing my family broken up like that right so i it i kind of wanted to numb the pain so i just started drinking with with some of my friends having you know the so-called fun and the party life and then yeah that's when you know safety got a grip of a hold of me and then i, I was bound to to that for years and years I, I, I was really, uh, I would drink sometimes, a couple months, like two months party here and there, and then I would, you know, sober up and try, try to be the, the good guy, the family guy, because I had a baby on the way. And then, you know, I, just, I, I wanted just to like, go party all the time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. So did, did that split with your parents and that happening, you know, in that setting and stuff, how did that like however your relationship was with God at the time or your belief, how yeah. did that change that? Like, did you look at God in a negative way because your parents split? No, I never, I, I never looked at God in a negative way. I just, you know, I thought um, when they split, I was just, it was new experiences to be honest. Like, uh, I was I was seeing my other friends, you know, doing the party life, and it kind of looked fun, especially when they're in a club and you know playing pool and whatnot. And that kind of uh, kind of made me curious. And then as soon as you know, I started drinking, I was I was hooked. Did you uh, did you still have a relationship with your mom? Did you see your mom too, or did they? What was that? Oh uh, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, my mom like. You know, a couple months later after that in the winter, I tried going back and living back at home with her until, you know, I got kicked out. She she picked her, uh, her boyfriend gave her an option, either pick pick me or uh, you pick your son kind of thing. So she picked her, her boyfriend and I, I, I got kicked out in the winter. So I had to sleep in, uh, in our shed in the backyard with a toaster oven just to keep warm. And that's brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, and then my brother, I would ask him like uh, for a plate of food because I was hungry, and my mom didn't want to really give me any or her boyfriend. So they would uh, he would take the food and go down into my old bedroom, open the window, and then pass it through there. How, so, how many brothers and sisters? Like, what? How big is your family? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, at home, there was me. I'm the oldest at home, and uh, then I had a younger brother, Kyle. Uh, sister Crystal and my younger brother Josh. So, who was with your mom at that time? If you when you were in the shed, yeah, it, it was it was the three younger ones. The three, but they were all younger. How old would you have been at the time? I was seven, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Dude, how long did you spend in that shed? I was there for like 
two days. I sleep there and then I go wander off, hang out with people during the day, and then I'll head back there just to get some sleep and try to be warm. And then what did you find a place to stay or? No, I, I got a hold of my dad in North Balford and I was like, so you guys like buy me a bus ticket or something? I'm going to come back and over there because it was more welcoming over there. And were you partying at this time? Like, yeah, 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 definitely. I was already in, uh, I was already kind of left my girlfriend, who's my wife now. Uh, I left her at the time with my uh, baby on the way. And yeah, I just, just started partying and just meeting up with different different girls and, you know, living, living the simple life. So speaking of your now wife today, in, on YouTube, yeah. there's a, there's a testimony video, a little short testimony video. Yeah. And um, you sort of bounced in and out with her. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, the party life, come back with her. And, you know, at the end of it, dude, I'm looking at like, wow, this is, this is some woman, man, to, to yeah. continually take you back after bailing and stuff. So um, it looked like you were bouncing in and out three, four times before you finally settled. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah. Like in the 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. Yeah, like every year, every year I, I t- would take off for like two months just to go do whatever I wanted to do. So she must have been praying for you, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she prayed, and especially the the last time in um, on the video when I I told her like I was done, I want to you know divorce, and she was like, "Give me two more months." She's like, "Please, like, give me two more months." So I was like, "Okay." Like in my mind, I was going to give her two more months, and I'll wait and, and bounce up. And then, yeah, she just, uh, I gave her the two months and then something changed during that time. That's when I got uh, given a devotional book and I was like, nah, I don't want to read this. Just give me the Bible. I'd rather read straight from the Bible then. And then, uh, yeah, I started to really get into the Bible at the time and reading the Word and watching sermons. And, um, yeah, I was spending like, what, 10, 12 hours a day just reading and listening to the sermons. And then, yeah, I, something changed with, within those two months of uh, before I was going to leave. And then, um, yeah, I, that's when I surrendered my life, uh, that January, uh, New Year's Eve. There's a lot of power in a woman that yeah. prays, hey. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, there's a lot of power, obviously, in any yeah. prayer. But, uh, yeah. But friends, I've, I've just, including my story, there's a lot of uh, stories I've heard of women who've been so dedicated in prayer and big change happen. Um, yeah. So it, it seemed like there was a specific sermon or there was something where, I mean, it's obviously God works and is molding and working in somebody's heart and doing a work, right? But there was yeah. a, in your video, it looked like there was a, a specific sermon or something that really shifted. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Billy Graham. Billy Graham. That's what I was going to ask you. It was Billy Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Graham. Yeah. I saw him back in the early nineties and then, um, yeah. And then, uh, just rewatching the old videos back in like the sixties, what he used to do. Those are the, the videos that really spoke to me. Just, uh, when he used to be plain and just blunt and speak it the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So you so, actually yeah, that- saw Billy Graham. Yeah, yeah, me and my parents, we went there, we saw uh, Billy, um, who was the other guy? Um, yeah, there's a few other guys that were there, too. It was back in 94, I believe, wow. at the South Center. Wow, that's awesome. That's a blessing, man. I never got to see Billy Graham, and he came to close enough to where I live back in the day, but I never, yeah. never got to see him. I didn't really know who he was back then. No, me either. I just, uh, my parents took me. (laughs) (laughs) You know now. Yeah, yeah, I do now, yeah. So, okay, so, so after those couple of months there, just take us through what happened. What happened in your heart after, after, you know, pouring into the Bible or your wife praying and, and seeing, you know, watching these videos, what, what began to shift in your heart and how did that change everything for you? 
you know, the, the Bible, it, it came real to me. Everything I would read, it's like it was speaking right directly to me um, about surrendering, about um, helping out people, um, especially uh, Ephesians there when it says, put on the whole armor, that we wrestle not with uh, the flesh, but uh, we, we wrestle with the spirits. That's what uh, really... Um, Got got to me because I witnessed a few stuff that you know if I told you people, other people would think I'm crazy, and uh, you know it made a real that during that time and I'll tell you the story. Uh, once I surrendered within the week, I started throwing out you know old beer cans if I had in my house. I threw away um, any books that are about violence, uh, movies that were garbage. I would throw them away and then. Um, they cleaned the house. I prayed over the house. But one one day, about a week later, we we're sleeping, me and my wife, and we had my youngest, Stefan, in the, in the bed with us. He was laying be, uh, beside us. And like three in the morning, he just started breaking out laughing. Like somebody was just like tickling him all over. And then uh, no, I got up, turned, turned the light on, and we were, I looked at him like trying to wake him up. And there was Stefan, what's so funny? Why are you, why are you laughing? Wake up, buddy. He wouldn't. He wouldn't wake up. He's just laughing. So I just told Jess, "Okay, well, let's go back to bed." I probably put it right away. So I turned the light off, and my bedroom was clean. Like it's everything. Dresser, drawers were all closed. Um, yeah, I turned the light off. I lay back down, and like two seconds later, that that laughter turned into screaming and terror. And shaking, he started shaking. I stood up. I noticed I st- uh, stood on my clothes that were on the ground, turned the light on, and then uh, right beside my head, my dresser was, there's three dresser drawers taken out, and my clothes are scattered in the bedroom. Wow. Yeah. So I, I told Jessica, Jessica, I was like, hey, I, I got to go pray. There's, there's something here. Uh, so I... I uh, Right over Stefan and Jessica went to my living room. Um, and I just started playing some worship music and I just started passing out this demon in the name of Jesus and uh, anointing the windows and the doors. I went to the kitchen, living room, everywhere. And then the last room I went to, it was actually my kids' room, the last room. And then the, the bathroom was right across, so the light was shining in there. And then when I took a step in there, right on the left of me, kind of curled up in a ball like this, hiding. I seen like a physical, like a being, like uh, it looked, it, it kind of looked human, but it had like cat ears with kind of yellow, yellow yellowish eyes, and burnt kind of skin. You could see the veins, and it was just, it was ugly. And as soon as I said, I command you to leave now in the name of, before I could even finish the word Jesus, I think it falls right through, through the wall. Wow. And, and yeah, that right there—that's what made me really, uh, you know, believe this, this is this is real. Wow, man! At at that time, yeah. Did you did you really understand like your identity? You know how important identity in Christ is, right? Like at that yeah. time, did you had somebody taught you identity, or did you know your identity, or were you just sort of praying in in faith? Do you know what I mean? I- I was I was praying in faith, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would read that. Uh, you know, we have we have the authority to cast out demons. So I took that's when I yeah I just prayed, and then uh, the next day I, I told my mentors what happened, and they kind of just laughed at me. And they didn't believe what happened. They didn't believe it. No, like no. like your Christian mentors. Yeah, yeah, the ones who are teaching <laughs> me the word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's man. That's really powerful, dude, because so many, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we come to faith and, you know, something happens or whatever and we believe, but we don't, we don't necessarily understand our authority. And so when something happens, we just pray and ask God to make it go away. It's amazing. The power of the word that you read, that it told you, this is who you are. This is what you do. You cast out demons and you had, and you knew you had that authority. Yeah. Wow. So that yeah. that was the end of that in your house. Uh, it was kind of the end. Um, like you know, a few days later, my my kids would see 
a cupboard door close, and then some kind. Sometimes you'll see the keys just swing out on the hook. So yeah, we just continued. I would tell my dad he came and he prayed, and then um, it it was it was good. The house felt really good. It, it was, you know, you could feel felt really like a home again. And then uh, I know when we lost my oldest boy, we were having supper. Uh, one evening, and this was like maybe like two weeks since the stuff happened with Stefan. We were you know, just having dinner around the table. And then my oldest, he was, how old was he? He was like 10. He came right behind me and then he was like hiding his face into my shoulder and he was pointing outside. He's like, tell, tell that thing to go. Tell him to leave. Tell him to leave. I'm like, what What thing? I don't see nobody up there. He's like, he's right there. He's wearing a, he's wearing some kind of um, coat or whatever. So he was just smiling at him through the outside, but he could have come into the apartment. Wow. How old were your kids during this? The youngest was, I believe he was five, then uh, eight, nine, and ten. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating that we can't see these things in the spirit, but when we, but when we really come to faith and really understand who Jesus is and who we are, there's a manifestation and you can start seeing in the spirit. eh? Yeah. 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 And even before, when I was still in my partying days, uh, my, my second oldest Dominic, he would see stuff like in our, in our living room. We, my mom was babysitting at the time. I came back home with uh, my wife and then uh yeah everything was good and then as soon as we saw the couch down like he started running around came running from his bedroom and ran right behind us and like running around our coffee table like somebody was chasing him and then he could came right beside between uh, between me and jess and he was like pointing in the air and he was like they're gonna go get ralph now and he was crying too and then um after he said they're going to get Ralph, two seconds later, Ralph jumped up screaming too, and he was crying and shaking. And he came running out towards us. And this is before before I even read the Bible. Or I that's when I kind of stopped believing. I was in my in my rebellious year. But your and kids then, could uh, your kids could see it, but you couldn't. I couldn't see nothing. I didn't feel nothing. No, but my my boys did. They were they were in terror. Wow. So what I did, I was like, okay, dad, I, um, the kids are, uh, experiencing this kind of stuff. Can you come, like, you know, bless our house, come pray for our house. It was like, just cast the demon out in Jesus name and believe it. Um, I'm like, nah, I, I was still, I think I was half shot when I talked to him about that. That's all, that's how bad I was. And then, uh, so I believe, yeah, I, I probably, I brought spears to the house and some demons. Cause I was, yeah, I was, was no good back then. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So bro, let's talk a little bit about church in the hood. What, how, how did that start for you? And what was your calling in that? What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, the, so 2014, when I, when I surrendered, I got the disciples for a few more months and then, um, I think it was April. April, I was, I was, so Lord, excuse me, like, what, what's my calling? Is there something you want me to do? You want me? And then we're just joking on, on one day, we're driving through Saskatoon on 20th Street with a different pastor. And then he was like, Biz, look, you're going to live over here one day and you're going to do some ministry on the streets. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. And then, um, I think a month later, that house became available, and they're like, do you guys want to move in there? And they said, we know the owners, and um, uh, yeah, cause we're, we're stuck in the apartment, and there's five of us, or six of us in the, in the two-bedroom apartment. And then, yeah, we had to um, get the house, but we had no money. I had no, um, I think we only had a couple hundred bucks on us. We needed like fourteen hundred bucks for rent, fourteen hundred for damage. And I just said, Lord, if it's your will for us to move in this house, you'll make the way. So Sunday we go to we got invited to church in North Balford. We went there. We um 
I didn't, we told the pastor about this house and all that, but we didn't tell him the amount of money we need or anything. He just, he just in front, he was like, we have um, a couple here from Sasu that uh, are short some finance for a house, uh, or not a house, but they're short on some finance. If you want to donate, you can donate. And they pass the plate around. And then uh, later when they counted the money, it was the exact amount that we needed for that place to move in. Wow. Yeah, like the exact amount. So we move in that we move in the house. Um, I said, uh, like the second night or first night, I sat outside in the backyard just with coffee and you know, looking around, wondering why I moved into like the hood. The, the cops right there welcomed us. They're like, right now, this is probably the most active street in Saskatoon. So okay, good to know. Good to know. The most um, sorry, what the most active? Active, yeah. yeah. Right across the street, there's a prostitute and a gang house. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we moved in. Um, I said outside. I was asking the Lord, "Okay, what's what's next? What's next? What what's the purpose for us moving here?" And then um, as I was sitting there, it was like He just said, "Have church and invite them." So I told my mentors, I was like, I think we need to have a church service in a backyard here and invite uh, the prostitutes and gang members. And uh, the guys were like, um, okay, yeah, I'll roll with it. You're kind of crazy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, wife wrote up a couple, um, I think about 100 paper, pieces of paper, saying that we invite you over to our house for a meal, a message, and some music. And then, yeah, we just went on the streets, started giving them to like, the homeless, um, the prostitutes, the gay member guys. And, yeah, we just, the first night we had it, we had about 50 people. And, um, yeah, it was good. We, I invited my, my cousin to come preach and share because, you know, I was, I'm still, like, I was still a new Christian. I didn't know what to what to say. So I invited all these other preachers to come to speak and share and worship singers. And then it grew it from 50 to, to hundred to 150 to about 200 people in my backyard. Wow. All from, all from the street and the, the community. And uh, yeah, we, that's when we started. We were like, this is church in the hood. We started feeding, I was feeding people, giving them clothes, um, praying, doing baptisms in the backyard. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We even had a fresh, fresh IE out to come minister and do some music, and it was, it was a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's helped you with some music too, eh? Yeah, he's the one who actually uh, taught me how to rap because I didn't know how to rap. And then in 2006, I believe, he gave me my first EP. He was like, come to Winnipeg, I'll teach you how to rap. And your first EP is free, so I went there, and then yeah, I, I no one, no one's, no one's gonna ever hear this EP though. I'll tell you that much. It's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. My my first time rapping, I sound like a, a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was obviously though that like that was music you liked growing up and stuff like that. So you're just. To be honest, I like country and pop. I, was, I, I like country music and I like pop music, and I, I never really liked rap. Really? Until I saw, until I saw Fresh. And then I was like, okay, this, this is pretty good music. And then that's when I started uh, getting to hip hop. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, 2015. So yeah, not long. Eight, eight nine years. So. Well, just before we get it, dive into some music. The, the church in the hood, are, something that you're still yeah. you're still doing. What did you do in the winter with that? Two hundred people in the backyards, sweet in the summer. What do you do in the cool Usually, in the cold uh, ones? Yeah, back then, um, what we did is we went to the local. Uh, it's called the Lighthouse Homeless Shelter, and then we would just bring our soup there, and we'd bring um, maybe some some Christian videos preaching, or else we would get some people to come share. And we would just go to like the lighthouse on Thursdays and share a, share a meal and give them a message. 
And that's what we did through winter because we had no no place to go. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just, we did that for a couple of years. And then, you know, last year with uh, Church of the Hood, we saw, I saw some people dying outside on the street, right on 20th Street here. Uh, November 9th, somebody died uh, just because of the cold. So that, that sparked something in me. And then I'm like, we have all the buildings here in Saskatoon, but nobody's open at night. They're open during the day, but no one's here at night when when it's the coldest. So I, so I prayed and then uh, with their pastor, and I basically said, Lord, if it's your will for us to have a bus for us to be out here to uh, help your people, that you will provide everything needed without me trying to ask people for a bus or ask people for for money. And then um, after I prayed that, told the pastor what was up, and then he was, okay, I'll make an announcement on church on Sunday. And then there was a guest that came to church and he said, hey, I, I'll give you guys a bus. I have a, I own a bus company. So he said, I'll lease it here till March. And then, um, yeah, so, yeah, we jumped on right away. We were going to do it once a, once a week kind of bus ministry. But after just seeing the cold, I was like, man, we got to do this like five times a night at least just to help people. So me and my wife, a um, couple of volunteers, started going out around 11 o'clock at night. And we would stay out to like 5, 6 in the morning. And just to feed people hot soup, coffee, um, Bible, give them Bibles and share with them, just listen to their story, listen to why they're in this position. And it would give me an opportunity to share my face with them and tell them how, where I was in my life and what God did for me. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really yeah, cool. So. And a place to keep warm too, right? Yeah. Obviously you can hop on and just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we see people as much, um, uh, Probably close to two hundred people would come use the the bus per night. On a, on a busy night, it'll be around two hundred. You know, usually we would have like hundred people come through the bus and sit on the bus, have coffee with us, or just come get some food, or even families with little children that they have nothing at home, they won't want to come eat. So I'd invite them to come eat some soup and pick up some clothes for their kids. Wow. Well, we all got to keep praying too. Cause I mean, that's awesome that you're, that you're doing that. And there's other people in other cities across the country that are doing that. But the fact that there's yeah. the fact that there's over a hundred people that need yeah. that is yeah. not good. No. So it's great that you, that you guys are doing that, but we all need to pray as believers that there's a turnaround and a shift. Cause it shouldn't be that yeah. way. Right. Yeah. And to be honest, like it's, it seems like it's getting worse. Every year, yeah, everywhere, yeah, especially like in, in the the drugs, man, it's, it's getting crazy out there. But yeah, yeah, we we just have to pray and believe. Yeah, it is getting worse. Like we travel the country as a ministry, right? Training and stuff, yeah. and uh, we've been from coast to coast this year. And it used to be big cities, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, that yeah. had these problems, but. Now you're seeing it in small towns, East Coast, yep. everywhere. And yeah. The, yeah, the drugs yeah. are bad. The enemy's trying to take over, right? So He is, yeah. He's trying to. Yeah, but he's lost, so we're pushing back. Yeah. yeah. Um so no one <laughs> no one will ever hear that first EP. Is that right? No one's no one's ever gonna hear it. <laughs> nope. Well, we have a a really you know big team here digging for the Toddcast <laughs> to find stuff, yeah. but we didn't we didn't find that. So you have it well hidden. That's I have for sure. well, yeah. <laughs> um, but here let's let's uh let's listen to a little bit of this. Mm. This is Save Me. Yeah. That's a great voice there, too. Who is that? 
To be honest, I don't even know that it came with the, the beat. That's really good. It's been a hell of a year. All of the lies, all of the fears, all of the cries, all of the dreams of being a light but dark as nails. I don't know why I do what I do. Only do right. Wanting my boys and beautiful wife. I'm in the fight. I'm a blind man. Open my eyes. Help me see. I am blessed. All your gifts you laid on my chest. All the flavor, taste, and see the Lord is good. Church in the hood. I lay down. All of my pain. All of my deeds out in the rain. All of my seeds that bear the stain. What I've been going against is great. Cover my kids. Heal their hurts. Break every generational curse. Take away all distraction. Restore all my heart all of my passion i surrender once again here i am have your way jesus save me from myself i am a wretch i'm in the way so this is from your ep with the same title save me from 2021 yeah um can you just talk a, a little bit about this what's going on in your heart just right now yeah. just wanting to share your testimony or what was going on in your heart as you created this uh, yeah, that one is, you know, back in 2019, you know, I, I got here with depression. I never, I never felt depression ever. I didn't know what depression was. I would talk to people. I would share about it, but I never knew what depression was until like November 2019 when I, you know, I woke up one day and I, everything felt dead to me. I couldn't find that joy anymore. And then, um, yeah, just like, it was, I was, it was like, I was like a dead man walking. And this is how I felt. And then, uh, you know, I should have, I should have ran to God and in the first place, but I decided to, you know, back out. I wanted to like kind of commit suicide kind of thing. Like I was, I was done. The end of 2019, and then, um, like I, I didn't find I, I wasn't happy. Uh, it was it was it was a rough time. Um, that's when I told Jess, okay, like okay, this is it now. I I want to I want to be done now. I'm I'm done. I'm leaving because I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like I loved her. I didn't feel like my I loved my kids really. Um. I had no emotions. I was completely dead. And then, uh, so I just, I just went back. I went back into uh, what I know best that I thought is the street life. You know, hanging out with the gangster guys again. A week later, after after I left, I was, I was back into, uh, you can the the parties and the the gang life, and then. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. I left in the end of November, and for about six months, it, this it was it was bad. I uh, yeah, I left left my wife, left my kids, left my daughter, um, and just wanted to basically just numb whatever depression I had, whatever this dead feeling was, trying to feel life again. I knew I, sh- I sh- later on I just, I knew I should just rant to God or whatever, but I can't blame on people. I can only blame on myself. My 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 mentors at the time they all kind of just took off and did their own thing. There they went through stuff, you know. So I be I had no nobody to talk to or to uh, hang out with to you know, express what I was feeling. So I just, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna drink again. I, I lost my job. I lost everything. I we had no finances to pay rent or nothing. So I thought the best of it was let's just let's just kind of you know break it off down, let's go our separate ways, and uh, left. 2020, that pandemic, all that kind of stuff happened. Uh, I I, was, I went crazy for a couple of months. I really, literally tried to kill myself with alcohol every day, drinking like these the forties and the sixty ounce of vodka, and sitting in a dark room and just just drinking, and uh, you know trying to make money on the side by you know trying to sell drugs and you know um, what else what I do. Uh, you know the gang life again. Kind of, uh, I wanted to talk much into that part, but it got it got really bad. Where uh, 
every day I was drinking where my eyes were starting to turn yellow. My hands were yellow. I, I puked out blood. And then I, I just wanted to die. And then, uh, you know, I met, I met girls right away. I'm just, you know, just kind of that lust. Lust took over. And in May, May, uh, yeah, it's one night I was I was just out of my mind. I think I was being too loud in the apartment. Cops were knocking on the door, and I thought I get away by jumping the balcony to the because I was on the the third floor, and I thought I could get away from the cops and go do my thing. But as soon as I climbed over that balcony, the gravity took over and pulled me to the ground. And I busted my ribs in thirty six spots oh. and part of my back, and then. Um, yeah, I just remember a little bit of the cops there, like kind of laughing at me because I jumped and fell on my side. The firemen, I bits and pieces. I remember the firemen, the ambulance showed up. I remember going into the ambulance, uh, and I remember we got to the hospital. And that's all I remember. And then I remember some doctors when I woke up, and then some lights. When the doctor was like, "Hey, glad you're back here with us." We lost you there for a little bit. So, yeah, they had to bring me back with the, the big the machine there. And then, uh, yeah, it's, I guess that night when I fell off the balcony and broke broke my ribs and all those places, that night my wife, I guess, uh, she prayed for me. Moments before this happened, she said, Lord God, if you're, if you're real, you will, you'll get his attention some in some way. Then, um, yeah, that's when that's when the Lord really got my attention. I guess. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So from uh, 2019 to the summer of 2020, uh, when yeah, I was I was bad, but the Lord was telling me, "You're you're you're not going to go that way. You're your mind." So in my mind, I just. I knew it was going to be a while, so I just took the, about a year and a half just um, being properly discipled and um, really surrendering, talking, and uh, expressing what I felt during that time. And just, yeah, I, I wanted to die, but no, I found life again. I found new life again. So, and, dude, was this, this was after you had started Church on a Hood and all that? This was after, you know, like we quit church in the hood for uh, I think two years. Like we were, we were, we did the uh, backyard services, we do outreaches, and then um, our the house on that avenue I where we started the church in the hood, we got shot in by the gang members. So next day, uh, me and my wife said, "Okay, we're moving." So we kind of moved down to Saskatoon for a little bit. And we moved to Humboldt, and then uh, we continued to do some outreach here in Saskatoon and out there in Humboldt. And then, yeah, we just back in uh, yeah 2019. That's when I was I was I'm done now for for real. And that's when I fell off the balcony and and me died, and then uh, back. And the Lord got your attention. He got my attention 110. percent It would seem to me in your story that God has huge plans for you, your wife, your family. Yeah. And that the enemy has been like the battle for your soul is lost. It belongs to the Lord. Yeah. But the enemy's really trying to dissuade you from doing what you're doing. Cause you're, this is a powerful ministry with church in the hood. If you're now reaching people with this music, you know, yeah. that, that appeals to, to people that gospel music or other styles of Christian music don't appeal to. Yeah. Um, the enemy's really trying, and then depression, which is yeah, something yeah. so real, right? To try to dissuade you from what you're doing. Uh, yeah, and I never felt depression. I never knew what that was. Mm. Yeah. So you got some, you, you got really discipled and... and yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, pulled through, pulled through uh, all the lockdowns and stuff after that. Well, how did that? Yeah, how did yeah. that end? How did the turning point go with that? 
Swimming point was good. I just kind of stayed home with my my wife and kids and just locked myself at home. Deleted everybody that I associated with. I I blocked out everybody, even some of my family. I was, you know, hanging out, doing some stuff. I had to block them out. I had to step away from everybody and put myself in solitude for a while and be a one-on-one with my wife and my kids and and my dad and uh, you know getting back to the word and spending time with God and um, so that's how that's how it was uh, for almost a year like I didn't really associate with nobody at all just kind of took a back burner and just got refreshed again yeah yeah and properly properly discipled and so those experiences uh, led to you writing for for this EP, Save Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, I wrote what I could, and uh, Fresh actually he put it all into uh, some lyrics. So I, I wrote what what was on my heart, and Fresh took the paper and he wrote the lyrics for me for Save Me. Just helped you form it and flow it and all yeah. that. Form your thoughts. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, here's another one. Let it go. This was released as a single. I eh? Yeah. So just the same thing, eh? just that point in your life and just pouring it out. Yeah, basically I apologized to my wife for leaving her and the kids for these two uh, two girls. Yeah. And yeah, basically telling her it's time for me to man up and gotta, gotta change. Yeah. So, man, you have some uh, new material just before we started. You said you had some new stuff coming out. You want to yeah. throw that out there? Yeah, I got a new EP. It's uh, more of the, on the worship side. It's called ABBA. And, uh, yeah, we, we do. Fresh, actually, he took the charge of it. I, I told him I'm going to do a worship album. I want to express, you know, my love for God. And uh, he helps me bring it to life. So we have uh, 10, 10 songs on the, on the album coming out in early uh, 2024. Early 2024? Yeah, yeah, early. Um, and, yeah, we already have some shows booked up here. And uh, we ha- I actually have a show here this, this Saturday in Saskatoon here at a Native event where I'm going to bring Jesus to them. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, and friends, uh, Fresh IE is who we've been talking about here, who's been helping him out. And he is in season one, episode 44, if you want to hear his story, very powerful story as well. We had Fresh here in the studio. He was out here on a little bit of a tour, so was mm. able to stop by. Um Man, that's awesome. So your music available everywhere, Apple. Yeah, yeah, Apple Music, iTunes, and Spotify. Got some, um, yeah, I got a music video coming out here uh, in January. Off the new album, yeah. Awesome. And SoundCloud everywhere. Yeah, yeah, uh, not so much SoundCloud, but I believe there's some, some stuff on there. Yeah. That's where I was just pulling the last little bit from there. Okay. So you can find all uh, all that music there, friends. We'll uh, we'll leave some some info in the notes, man. I just wanted to thank you for sharing your story with us, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. And uh, I had an, one more question for you, man. Um, 
just as you talk, just in the the last little bit, they're just talking about depression and actually not knowing anything about it. Because most people, well, it seems yeah. like a lot of people do and and stuff like that. But you're experiencing all these things and um, not even knowing, or you felt like you had no one to talk to. Um, yeah. If you if you uh, if you knew somebody or ran into somebody that you recognized. Yeah. Like you could see it somehow, like in the spirit or whatever, you could see that they were going through that, man. What would you say to them? Uh, basically say, uh, go towards, uh, go to, go to Christ first. He's the first, he's the only one who can help you and get you out of this depression. You know, he died on the cross for us. And, uh, like I, I see many, I, I know people who are going through it right now and, um, they just they they don't want they don't want to uh, go to Christ, and so they're trying to fill that that void with you know alcohol, drugs, women, and um, all the above, violence. But no, the, all that stuff won't fill that void. And I, I've been there. And the only thing that I can fill it and heal it is is Jesus Christ. Amen. So yeah, try try Jesus. The truth and the way, eh, bro? Yeah, the Jesus from the Bible, not not the one that's going to make you rich. Yeah. Well, again, my friend, thanks very much for taking some time with us today. I appreciate everything that you're doing. <clears throat> yeah, thank you for inviting me. And just uh, our ministry, man, we'll be just just be praying for you, for you to just to continue to reach more people and to grow deeper in your faith with the Lord and your identity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. There is definitely some lessons to be learned in this story. The importance of being discipled. Friends, we're not meant to walk this journey alone. When you come to faith, you really need to get plugged into a church, be around a solid group, people that will walk with you through the ups, the downs, the enemy's attacks, and help you navigate. And we can't run from God. Once you give your life to him, there's no running. It will just be turmoil. Stay the course, my friends. <laughs>